Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Beauty Pop Podcast. I'm Victoria. And I'm Jen. And today we have a very special guest, world-renowned dermatologist, Luke Maxfield, Dr. Luke. Now, I don't want to call you Dr. Luke because that reminds me of Kesha. And that's like a little sketch. (laughs) (laughs) So she did bathe in glitter, which I was always a big fan of. And she did win that lawsuit. She eventually did win the lawsuit. So (laughs) I think I need to learn more about this. (laughs) He was a very scummy producer. And, you know, it was a long ongoing battle with Lady Gaga and Kesha and Katy Perry. So we don't want to call you Dr. Luke because that's how he refers to himself uh-huh. so how about just either luke or dr maxfield what yeah, do you dr maxfield is good that's what i usually go by anyway okay sounds that works good out fine. i like it all right it's very official so uh dr maxfield has a fabulous podcast called doctorly unhinged and your partner in crime dr munib shah mm-hmm. is equally as handsome they look the first time i saw you guys honestly the fir- you're all over my instagram feed it's like every third story it's it's you and dr shah so I said to I said to my husband Lewis, who produces your podcast as well as this one, I said, "Are these guys real doctors? Because they look like they like if General Hospital had a dermatology department, it would be Doctor Maxfield and Doctor Shaw would have been cast as like the derms, the hot derms. I'm sure you get this a lot, but um, you're you guys are just blowing up all over social media. How did you guys get started together?" And how did you become, I mean, these guys are massive, like TikTok stars, Instagram, you guys are just huge. How did they all get, how did you get started doing all that? Well, our story uh, for Dr. Sean and myself, we go way back, like long before social media, even before dermatology residency, we became friends, uh, I think it was my third, yeah, third, third year of medical school. I guess it must've been my fourth, his third, something like that. But uh, we're both like just very passionate, eager to a fault on our medical rotations and internal medicine. And we kind of fed off of each other. We just always wanted to learn, be the best. And um, so we, I don't know, just always had this like good dynamic going back and forth for years. Um, And then I was pursuing dermatology during that time. He was pursuing radiology. I actually uh, ended up leaving into another specialty, came back into dermatology. He kind of saw me do that. And uh, we both had this similar love uh, in our intern year for like just patient care, which in a sense, like confused us both. But <laughs> after that, uh, he ended up coming to my dermatology program. Um, we wrote papers together. We tutored, uh, we did all sorts of medical curriculum development. We uh, reviewed papers. We were just were all over the place in the professional space behind the scenes. Uh, we'd work on projects together and then he entered social media first cause he's by far the more social one of us. And, <laughs> Uh, he was just like, Hey, you have to, we have to be doing this. Like we need to create a YouTube channel together. Um, and I was very hesitant. I I think I'd probably delayed us for three, four months. I'm actually, (laughs) I was actually quite an introvert and like a very private person. I didn't have a social media account at the time. Um, but you know, through that, through YouTube, um, we started creating videos. Uh, I got more comfortable thanks to him. Um, and we just kind of found our voice, like all of the energy and attention we'd put into even medical research. Like we are trying to present something new, provide something helpful, useful. All of the educational backside of us, like just kind of was able to be uh, harnessed into the social media front. And now I can't imagine doing my life without it, at least in the professional space. It's really been an incredible asset tool and opportunity for me. Do you feel like it's necessary, Dr. Maxwell? And we'll get into all the good stuff, all the questions, <laughs> everything. But the good stuff for me is learning about you because I think it is incredibly 
obviously it's already incredibly difficult to be a doctor, but with social media, you have everybody who can review every little thing you say, you do a funny look, maybe something. I mean, just the social media has made everybody some sort of of critic. And so I do think it's really smart that you've branded yourself already and you get out there and you already have branded stuff that's out there because I think there are a lot of doctors when they don't master social media, they just kind of swim in these murky waters. Do you think, I mean, would you recommend this to everybody to kind of get involved, especially if they have something really important to share? Well, the latter part of it, then, yeah, absolutely, yes. If you feel like you have a vision and a direction and something you bring to the table that would be helpful, um, then by all means, like take that leap, get into social media. Um, But the first part of what you said, all of that is absolutely true. As a doctor, I think you kind of feel exposed at any point in your life because of that title and the liability that comes with that. And then bringing yourself in front of social media brings a whole nother layer to this whole thing. And so, yeah, I think you really, really do try your best to balance being um in the public sphere like our our whole thing we engage with the general public like we don't actually engage with our colleagues nearly as much as we engage with just general people and i love that i think it's incredibly valuable and i'm thankful for it but it definitely um it it felt a little bit i don't know it did feel i I don't i think exposed is still the right word i felt exposed especially initially because we started this when we were still in residency and no one was doing that at the time like nobody and so um it 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 was definitely a bit of a scary journey and again i have to commend dr shaw he's the more bold of the two of us i'm a little bit more of a rule (laughs) follower he's more of like no let's just do it jump in let's do do it it." Well, you guys also, one of the things that makes both of you stand out is that you have so much fun. It's so obvious that you're having fun when you're doing it. And when you're talking to each other, the chemistry, the history that you have, the friendship, that really comes across. And it's I, it's very entertaining. And, it, and you don't get too into the weeds so you don't lose anybody, you know? And I think that you guys have, you're, you're just right in the sweet spot of being really informative and really entertaining at the same time. You guys have a natural flow with each other. And the the stuff that you cover is a lot of the stuff actually that Jen and I have covered here. Um, different products. That's when another we thing. pretend to be doctors. Yeah. <laughs> when we like mispronounce ingredients and right. stuff. Yeah. Um, but I but I do love like a lot of doctors, a lot of dermatologists, especially I've interviewed a ton of them throughout my radio career. And a lot of them are really reluctant to like name names and, you know, talk about specific brands and whether they're really effective or, you know, maybe you can get a cheaper version of that brand. And I love that, you know, you and Dr. Shaw, you dive right in. And I love that. Like you actually I there are takeaways that you can, you know, take notes when you listen to Dr. Lee Unhinged and you can go out to a store and or online and you can literally start trying the products and you're just, it's very credible. And I, I really appreciate that because Jen and I, we do really like brutally honest reviews of products here. And so, you know, we, 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 we just keep it real and, you know, we talk each other in and out of buying things all the time. I think <laughs> last week, I think I kind of talked Jen out of spending a lot of money on La Mer. I did. Oh, I was wow. getting ready. You were getting ready for, you're gearing up for the La Mer drop. 
I said I was having Ouch. a crisis and I never thought I would do it, but I got a sample and I was like, wow, it's like an angel just like jumped all over my face. It just mm. felt really good. See, um, I, I, I'm looking at his doctor face and I'm like, okay, yeah, he's I like, don't think he's really that into it. I didn't it. do it. Okay. So I do want to ask you before we jump into products though, do you get tired of people? Do people like come up to you and they're like, hey, check this mole out? Or like, <laughs> what's the weirdest thing that someone has asked you to do outside of the office sphere? Not I, during your professional practice. Yeah. It's <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a lot of that. It, you know what I don't like, though? It's the pictures on the phone, which makes me oh. extremely skeptical of telemedicine. Like in person, I, you know, it's not that frequent. Everyone's pretty respectful of your time. And I, you know, if it's a friend, I, you know, I really don't mind trying to save them a trip to the office if it's a clear cut, obvious thing. Um, but boy, t- the pictures on the phone are worthless. And I've said this for years. I said it during residency. <laughs> See it say it now. Like, uh, the context of having a person in front of you and being able to like clinically appreciate a rash or a mole or a bump, whatever, it, it's just night and day difference. So I, even now I'm kind of at the point where if someone sends me a picture, I'm like, sorry, this is like not helpful. I, I yeah. can't with certainty tell you anything about this photo and people do a good job. Unless it's something so obvious that it's like, you need to go to the ER like right now. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, there's that. Yeah, there is that. Yeah. Well, so let's dive into some questions. Jen and I are, as we navigate through Beauty Pop, you know, we, we try out all different brands. We have no um, discrimination against a price point because I have said it and I'm going to look for your reaction when I say this now. Augustinus Botter is the best thing I ever put on my face. Okay. <laughs> he gave you the rock eyebrow. He did. He did. <laughs> but but I've also, you know, I'm also in the in the middle right now. Of, I think I'm a week and a half in to testing out Haley Bieber's road skincare line. That's when I give you the eyebrow. <laughs> you would, but see, no. but like, okay, so all her products are $29, right? That's a lot lower than most Goodness. of the products that I buy. And then you've got Augustinus Botter at like a million dollars and Jen trying to jump on the La Mer million dollar train. <laughs> Didn't so do like, it. I only had a crisis for a moment. My grandmother was gorgeous her entire life and she used Noxema and she used Oil of Olay, the OG stuff, not even the stuff that costs 40 bucks. And that was just it for her entire life. And she looked beautiful. So I guess the question is, does the price of the product matter, right? Yeah, that's an impossible question to answer. But in general, no, because here's the thing. Um, You have a lot of expensive skincare brands and they have a similar ingredient formulation to the cheaper versions. Um, And the reason that it's still a bit of a gray area is just an unregulated field. So as doctors, we're used to, at first, the pharmaceutical side, where everything is highly regulated. There's no question about statistical endpoints, ingredient list, formulation, consistency. Like, it's just there. It's there on paper in front of you. And over the counter, that's just not the case. I've seen so many studies from brands, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Most of them aren't published, though. So we don't have access, really, to any objective metric um, for any of these products. Now, I will say, uh, I don't think you can always buy the $9.99, any version of anything and get a result. I do think there is a semblance of quality that does come with a cost. And I am a big fan of some more expensive skincare. Like, I really love the SkinCeuticals Vitamin C. I don't know what it is about it, but I think I just stink and love it. It's a very simple product and it's expensive as can be. Mm-hmm. But uh, what you see also, too, and I, I think this is actually a harder thing to answer from a consumer, like brand standpoint is you do have brands that invest more in the R&D. 
Um, SkinCeuticals is known for it, but even L'Oreal, Vichy, these are brands that do a lot of research. They publish some of it, they don't in others, but there's a ton of cost that goes into that. And then you have the smaller brands, um, and I won't name any, but like, let's just say they see the formulation of a research-backed product, and they're like, hey, I can skip that whole step mm-hmm. and put the same thing out, but at a fraction of the cost, because they already did the legwork. And um, so that that for me is like an ethical question. So I always try to caveat, like, do take the time to invest in brands that do the research. Because if you don't, at some point, these brands are going to stop because there's no return. Like someone's just going to come behind a month later, or a week later and snake their formulation. Um, and it, it's tough too, because you do have brands that have, and that's one of the reasons brands don't list like the exact percentages on their product. That um, makes sense. It helps mm-hmm. them kind of protect their ingredient blend. Yeah. So. so if you're just like a regular consumer, like all of the beauty pop listeners, how can you really find out which brands are investing into the R&D versus just a copycat kind of brand? Oof, that's even harder. This is such a good question. Um, some of them just make it very forward. Um, some of them, because, you know, not everybody's on PubMed, which is that peer-reviewed study-based thing. And even then, you still don't Oh, is that public? Uh, yeah. The, a lot of the journals are behind a paywall, mm-hmm. which I'm, I, and I don't have access to, to the most, many of them. I go through our institution for that, or Campbell Institute, or um, University Institution. Um, but if you are a nerd and you have the time, you can try to ing- investigate like some of these proprietary ingredients like Aminexil is a good example in a L'Oreal hair product. You're like, never heard of this thing. Well, there's a few studies on it and they did the studies. Um, but I think you can take a look at the product. A lot of them do talk about clinical studies. I was and- just going to ask about clinical studies. Yeah, because like like the Haley Bieber one that I'm trying now. There are a lot of clinical studies that she has listed for all three of the main products. Um, one is a glazing milk. Her whole thing is like everyone needs to look like a glazed donut, which I'm fine with because I'm over 40. So like I'm OK with that. Um, but it's like a glazing milk. And sh- the main ingredient in that is something I've never heard of. It's called, I think, beta glucan. Uh huh. That's like the big apparently like hero ingredient in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that a, okay i'm looking at your face now is that just like a bs ingredient <laughs> no i don't think it is i think dr sean and I are talking about this and I, we were going to talk about it on the podcast but we um Did we're going to look into it? it a little bit more no they're, you see this more in supplements yeah we're still investigating let's say but th- this is actually not a new ingredient it's maybe not it's maybe newer into the skincare world um but you've used it in the supplement space for a long time i think it might even be in my one of my many diet supplements that I tried to like stop my <laughs> oh. binge eating. Huh. Oh, okay. So it's because you didn't want to eat a glazed donut, right? It was right. about <laughs> looking yeah. like a glazed well, donut. <laughs> okay. So if you are talking about ingredients, because that may be more accessible for people, we all have seen serums with like the, the vitamin C or there's mm-hmm. retinol or there's all these different ingredients. If you are, let's just say, let's just use the age 40. So your skin still looks okay, but you want to prevent more aging. What are the the best ingredients we should be looking for in serums or in moisturizers in any product? So I think you have your core foundational options. The two musts, if you're really going to develop a skincare routine, are your sunscreen or sun protection in the morning, and then your retinoids at night. That can be a retinol over the counter. That works well for photoaging. And, or it can be a prescription option at night, like tretinoin. Is it more effective? I think probably. Is there a lot of data to support that? No, because that's just the world we live in. So morning sunscreen, nighttime retinoid. And then as you introduce 
other things, you have other foundational ingredients, but that may not be like true cornerstones that anchor a routine. And vitamin C is the one in the morning. It's antioxidant, pretty much helps with most things, collagen, dark spots, tone, whatever. And that's why it's a foundational ingredient. Although it's finicky, hard to formulate with, it just brings a lot to the table. So it's like, then you moved on to steps two. So you're, you're level two, if you level up, level one, sunscreen, retinoids, you're doing it consistently, guess what, you level up. Then you go to vitamin C, sunscreen at night you can do uh any number of ingredients let's say peptides it's a, there's an infinite list and then you go back to your tretinoin or retinoid and then level three you introduce exfoliating on the weekends and so you take a break from your retinoids at night otherwise it's all the same and you use like an over-the-counter glycolic acid on the weekends and it again can be infinitely complex from there but i do have that question a lot from patients and i think most people in the skincare space kind of forget how normal normal people might be 95 plus percent of my patients, even individuals who are trying to take care of their skin, don't even get past that step one. They're kind mm -hmm. of at, oh, I forgot I'm not using sunscreen or no, I'm not using a retinoid yet, but they do have a laundry list of random ingredients that probably don't bring as much to the table. So um, I think you build up from the foundation up and then you can make it more complex, but only after you've mastered the previous steps. Are there ingredients like you mentioned peptides, right? I feel like right now that's the biggest buzzword. Peptides, peptides, peptides. It's everywhere. Yeah. And so is it, are there certain, is there a certain type of peptide that we should look for? Or is it just like a general thing? If you have peptides in your serum or your moisturizer, like you're on the right track. Yeah, that's uh, a beautiful question and it's good timing because I've already shot and edited a video for this. I've hold I've been holding on to it for weeks and I have no idea why. Now you're I'm gonna now it. we're gonna have to time the release of this. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, no, Luckily we have the same producer, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Victoria's obviously been stalking you, Doctor. <laughs> I know. How <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> do you know those on my phone? I'm ready to move. Um, no, it's incredibly nuanced. And I think that's actually one of the challenges in social media and why I actually preferentially love YouTube and why I held on to that before I started anything else for quite a long time is peptides are a topic, you know, you could talk 30 minutes about, you could talk an hour about because no, not every peptide is the same. They each bring something different to the table. Um, and the peptides, like there's just a ton of nuance to them. They all have ridiculous names. They have insane names and they all have multiple names for the same ingredient. And then you can oh. talk about the data behind them, which ones have no published data. Is there a name that we would maybe recognize? Like a name that, like, like what's the one I'm totally, I don't even know. How, I, it's, it sounds like bok choy, but it's like, it's like B-A-K bok chul or something. There's a weird, there's, it's an ingredient that's like been passed around. It's one of those things like copper. Oh, bakuchiol. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the there you go. <laughs> Yeah, just like bok choy. I know. <laughs> Every time I look at it, I'm like, I don't even know where to begin to pronounce that. Yeah, well, um, let's just say you were close. You, you, you're doing better than I think one of my nurses. She's like, she just loves to emphasize the wrong part of that word because she thinks it's funny. But um, so yeah, bakuchiol is not a peptide. Bakuchiol is a plant-based ingredient off of, uh, that's supposed to That's another to have, very buzzy word that we yeah. hear a lot in skincare right now. Well, it has decent data. And the reason people love it is it's a, quote, retinal alternative that might be safe in pregnancy. Um, it, oh, okay. The studies in vitro, meaning in the lab, they show that Bacucciol activates some of the same genes as retinol. And so it might have some of the same effects. And then the clinical studies behind it show, yeah, it does have some clinical similarities and how it helps with collagen, wrinkles, fine lines, dark spots, all that stuff. It's also very gentle. And there's no study showing that it's harmful in pregnancy. So most people say, yeah, you can probably use this in pregnancy as well. So it's a good retinol alternative, 
but not a peptide. Uh, as far as peptides, though, the peptide is just a conglomerate of amino acids. So amino acids turn into peptides, peptides turn into proteins as they grow. Um, but the Matrixyl 3000 is a really popular one. Um, I know Dipology has been promoting that one pretty heavily lately. Um, Argireline is a really popular one. Other is known as, I think it's acetylhexapeptide 8. And there's another name for that one too. Um, tetrapeptide 30 is a little known one that complements copper peptides, which is another one. But see, this is just the tip of the iceberg. That was yeah. four of more than a dozen. And again, they all bring something unique to the table. And so when a, myself included, when a person says like, yeah, get use peptides, we do kind of lump them together, um, but certain ones really are unique. Um, the one thing they do bring across the table and why you can generalizably recommend them is they're very gentle and they have complementing benefits when it comes to anti-aging and some of them the skin barrier. So like if you just look for a moisturizer with peptides, it's probably going to be gentle and in some form it's probably going to help with aging skin. Uh, so you can lump it, but I'm not a lumper. I'm a splitter. I like to dig into the weeds and go into the weeds a bit. <laughs> But peptides, it sounds like, yeah, they, I'm, I'm more Most of like, I like, yeah, I like, <laughs> I know, I'm the, I want to like lump everything in together and just give me one product that does everything. But like some of the other things that we hear, obviously glycolic, you know, the normal consumer mm -hmm. is familiar with that. Niacinamide is another um, ingredient. No idea what it is, but I know that it's in a lot of stuff. So yeah. is that something that we should also be looking for if we're just picking up a random bottle and kind of you know, going through the ingredients and, or whatever the, the marketing is, is niacinamide something that we should kind of go, okay, that's useful. Niacinamide is one of my favorite all time ingredients. Oh, okay. and that all the, and this is one of our first, this was actually on YouTube, but this was our first video that blew up. This video defined us because you mentioned already like Dr. Shaw's and my dynamic. When we were first starting out, we had different takes. Um, I'm very casual in some ways and you know, he is actually in some ways too, but he wanted the videos to be more professional and clean. I wanted to just mess around. I wanted to pick on him, make fun of him during videos and let him make fun of me. <laughs> and that's actually something we noticed resonated. Like for whatever reason, nice and blew up. People loved the dynamic, the casual dynamic and the relationship. And so that really gave us and him the confidence like okay yeah let's just be ourselves you have something here yeah exactly mm -hmm. we ran with that but um, niacinamide brings everything to the table helps with collagen dark spots oil control acne um, helps the skin barrier been studied in eczema decreases water loss uh, the thing is the main caveat that i always give with this one it doesn't do it that well so this is not your foundational core ingredients there's a reason i didn't list it in your level one level two level three skincare this is a supporting ingredient through and through. So you can add it to pretty much any skincare routine and it would be a good move, but it's not going to carry a skincare routine. Plus, most niacinamide serums are a higher concentration and there are studies showing that at least at 20% plus, certainly maybe 10% plus, they are more irritating and the return isn't any better or much better. And so you don't need a dedicated niacinamide product, although I do like them and I do believe it adds value. Um, it's just, are you a lumper or a splitter? If you if you want a separate product, get it. It's going to be great. It's going to play well with everything else you're doing. If you want niacinamide in your facial lotion, like the CeraVe PM facial lotion, or in your sunscreen, like the Elta MD UV Clear, use that because at a low concentration, it still works.
So with all of the products, so we're talking about a lot of different ingredients and we're talking about different uh, ways to use them. I think you're absolutely right. Starting with the sunscreen in the day and then doing some kind of, uh, of retinoid at night. But how much of this is environmental? Because I've wondered all the time, obviously your job as a dermatologist is to keep people safe, to keep skin healthy, to keep people the primary goal is to not look your best. The primary goal is obviously for good health. But for those of us who want to use dermatology and skincare to look better, how much of that is impacted actually by what we might put on our skin and how much of it is more impacted by the environment or by our diet? Because I know my poor, my other grandmother, the one grandmother with the oil of LA was like living the life. But the other grandmother I had loved to smoke and drink. And let me just say, you needed to iron like with a hot steam iron to get all of the wrinkles out of her face. Ooh. So I mean, she was weird. <laughs> wow. I mean, talk about Nana. someone. She put baby oil on, would go lay out in oh, the yeah. sun. Oh. She would smoke. She would drink. She had a lot of wrinkles. And so then I kind of look in the mirror and I'm like, okay, well, thank God I'm going to mm-hmm. knock on wood here. I'm taking after Mima. But is it? Is it what I'm doing to my skin? Is it environmental? Is it what we consume? Or is it everything? Oh, it's everything. Uh, But environmental plays a huge role. And if by far the majority of your skin aging comes from just environmental exposures, the major one being the sun. A study quantified that and showed that 80% of your skin aging overall, everything taken into consideration is from just UV damage. And there is a lot of more data now showing that pollutants in the air, which you know we don't even appreciate, that causes damage through oxidative stress to our skin. Uh, that's why antioxidants do help with that as well. Diet, although I'm actually extremely passionate about this, I don't speak to it much because the data is finicky. It's wonky. Other studies are poorly done. Um, even in the best studied diet and skin condition, diet and acne, the studies were almost all survey studies, which means I call you up. I'm like, Hey, what'd you eat last week? Hey, I ate a taco. I broke out. Oh, rats. (laughs) So it's just a conglomerate of that. And so that's not the best clinical evidence, but it's what we've got. Um, but really it's, it seems to me that diet is still underrepresented in the literature uh, in terms of accuracy, but I believe it makes a world of difference. Mm-hmm. And also what about water. Right? I was going to say water, water, right? Water. water. Oh, water. Yeah. That was a video I wanted to record. I just keep forgetting. What do you think water <laughs> does? What do you think water does for your skin? Well, How important I, I is can, it? I, I speak like I'm a, I'm a camel. So okay. I drink a ton of water every single day. It's the best thing that I do for myself and I do it on the regular. So, and, and I'm not one of those, you know, I mean, I'm not like, you know, drowning myself like in a competition, but I feel like I mm-hmm. drink a lot of water and I know on days that I don't, I feel like I look more dried out. I feel like I don't feel as good. So I just, I do it because I like to drink water and I feel like I can feel the difference on days when I don't drink enough water. So I just feel like I look salad, but it may be nothing. I mean, it may be all psychosomatic. I'm not sure. I, I mean, I, Jen and I used to do a morning show together, um, a radio show, and I, I know you and I both, Jen, drank so much water because we would talk for three hours straight. And by the, the end of the three hours, I think I would have maybe 80 to 90 ounces gone, sometimes more. So, and then that would, and I pretty much wouldn't really drink water the rest of the day. It was really just a product of we're talking and, and just drinking and talking mm-hmm. the whole time. But I, you know, to be honest, since I haven't been doing the morning show, I don't drink as much water anymore. I can't really tell you that I've noticed much difference in my skin. So I, okay. So I think it's all super I still believe it is important, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, I can come down on both sides of this. And the major side I fall on is it's not that important. 
but only in the perspective of how social media has portrayed it. Because oh. <laughs> it's, do you have acne? Drink more water. It will cure it. Do you have psoriasis? Drink more water. It will cure it. Do you have X? Mm. Whatever. And this is 100% false. It's again, I've said this, not again, but I've said this recently and I don't remember where, but it's like people forget that we have kidneys. They just forget that this is like a part of our body because <laughs> like, it, and this is why I love physiology and why I, I love teaching even general medicine, internal medicine for years into dermatology training. I, I did it for a long time. You take in water, your body not only notices that, but it adjusts. You take in too much water, you pee it out. This is why your mm -hmm. urine is dark or light. This, you're, you notice it in your brain. You actually are continuously, 100% of the time, sensing the, the electrolyte concentration in your blood. And this is regulated by water. And then if it's dilute, you're going to pee it out. It, it, this has to be in perfect homeostasis at all times. And so this is the most tightly regulated thing in your whole body. So if you drink too much, you're going to pee it out. Now, the counter side to this is, yes, we actually do use something called skin turgor as an assessment of your hydration status. So even if your body has regulated your osmotic pressure or your electrolyte balance, we can, when a person's dehydrated, get like pinch their skin and oh, it yeah. won't bounce back if they're significantly dehydrated. Now, does that mean if you drink five cups of water a day versus uh, a liter a day, then you will notice a difference in your skin turgor? No, but it's possible. Um, it's not quantified. And so I'll come down on either side of it. And that's why I was curious of your take, because no matter what you said, I wasn't going to be able to come down on your part. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I really think it, there's something about it. And again, it may be all mental, but on day, like yesterday, I was telling Victoria, I was at this all day. It was a wine taste. We only had four ounces of wine. So it's not like I was pounding alcohol, but it was a long day. And I noticed I wasn't drinking enough water. And when I got home and it may just, I just felt more sluggish and you just don't, I don't know. And then I feel like I kind of look all sallow, but it may just be because I was at a long event. <laughs> yeah. You also, yeah, you Jen know. also, we always tease Jen because Jen has like 17 jobs. So she probably just needed a nap. Like it was probably. probably. Oh, we even talked about sleep. Sleep oh, is. Let's. Come well, on. <laughs> there's no quantify. I don't think anyone's ever quantified this, but you can't convince me that sleep isn't the most important thing for how 100%. your skin looks throughout the day. If you don't sleep the night before, if I don't care what you do that next day, you look like trash mm -hmm. and you feel it too. Um, mm -hmm. And it was really interesting. Even the concept of dark circles, eye bags and the relationship to sleep. I don't think we know why that happens. I don't think we have the slightest clue, um, but I, I am an undersleeper. I also wear a lot of hats and am trying to maximize my time. Uh, so I undersleep, over pursue life, and it just is what it is. I just eat it. Okay, so this is my problem, and I do have these dark circles right here. So is there anything I can do except, you know, obviously go into a sleep chamber for a few years <laughs> <laughs> that um, would make those things look less noticeable? That's a beautiful question. And uh, I have like a nice deep dive on my Instagram about this. If you, anyone wants to check it out, the reason I, I direct people to it is because it's so nuanced and I'm very proud of that video. But the the problem with dark circles is it's the exception to the rule that it's a skin first problem. So oftentimes it's a combination of multiple things, shadowing from the orbital rim, loosening of tendons, which leads to fat pad migration, fat pads move down, bones get resorbed in the cheeks, all of those structural changes by far contribute to dark spots more commonly than skin. Now, it's not that skin doesn't. For the right person, skin first ingredients can be helpful. But for a lot of people, it's structural. 
And that's why eye creams often underperform. Maybe they have good ingredients. Maybe they even have good studies, but maybe it's just the wrong person trying to actually use them. But what can help, let's, let's assume it's actually a skin first problem. And then you have your ingredients like caffeine, which can depuff a little bit. You have your niacinamide helps with everything, including tone. You have your retinol. Yes, you can use that around your eyes. Irritation is the major limiting factor, but most people actually tolerate over-the-counter low-strength retinol very well. And then you have vitamin C, again, a lower concentration for that sensitive skin that can also help skin around the eyes. Otherwise, you kind of move into the procedural world, which can give you good results, uh, actually give you amazing results for the right person. Is that where like if you have a a good friend of mine has very kind of hollowed out eyes underneath and it always Mm -hmm. presents as dark circles? Even though she sleeps like a champ, it's not really a sleep <laughs> issue. But her derm- her dermatologist actually recommended filler. Yeah, I forget which kind, but whatever the kind you know that would go under eyes. Mm-hmm. And um, she hasn't tried it yet because it's a little scary for her because she hasn't you know it, it it's. But see, like I hate all the wrinkles that I have under my eyes when I smile, and I've been told that filler also can help that. Yeah, it can. Um, that's true, and yeah, filler fills space. And so if, if a volume loss is the major cause of the dark circles, if it's contributing to redundancy of the skin causing wrinkles, then yes, that is a, an excellent solution and you in the right hands will have excellent results. It is a very costly endeavor and you do want to make sure you're seeing someone who has a decent amount of experience with it. And, but, it's like like 800 to to $1,000, right? Yeah. I think per vial or oh, yeah. however they write, it's about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's an investment. How long does that last? Depends on the person, but three to six uh, months, let's say. So it's similar to Botox? It is like length and duration. Now there are different studies showing that the effects can last a little longer, not even directly related to what you've put in there sticking around. But yeah, it is temporary. Definitely plan to go in a couple times a year forever. But that's the same with anything aging. Like we're programmed to get old and die. And everything we do is just a temporizing measure to try to fight you, that. You know, I live in California. So before we get old and die, we turn into one of the housewives where it's like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's like a frozen face with the big lips, you know, and the sucked in cheeks. It's funny. Everybody in California looks the same. When I walk down the street, I'm like, it's wow, true. it's like, oh, you know, really? there's a lot of the people. The LA, LA has a face. It has a look. Yeah. Oh, geez. It I'll really be out does. Next, actually, I'll be out there tomorrow. Um, oh, so good. I'll, Come on by. I'll face. take you on a tour of the faces. <laughs> <laughs> tour of the faces. I'll take you. Forget the star tour. I'll take you on an LA face tour. Different yeah. areas, different faces. Yeah. Um, and so that, I guess, would bring me to my next question for you, uh, Dr. Maxfield. I am curious about doing these procedures. Like, it, what's worthwhile? What's worth the money? Um, I have stayed away from Botox, from fillers. Obviously, they're very popular. I just don't know if I want to jump into that field because I also like seeing my face move and I like looking like I was I was made to look. But I'm the opposite. <laughs> I, if I have expressions, I get angry. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I want to just be know. like frozen and surprised at everything. <laughs> Even though I, on it to, it, in, you know, truth be told, I haven't had Botox in over well over a year, so everything moves. Yeah, I was looking. Yeah, I was watching. I know closely. everything moves. I know. I know. I gotta oh get. Uh, He's already judged us. Oh, he no. is. He's judging us. I love it though. Bring I'm it on. I'm not well lit, doctor. I'm not well lit. I'm much prettier than what you're seeing. <laughs> but I'm. I'm for the first time now in my entire life. I am starting to see crow's feet, and it's freaking me out. Oh, welcome to the party. Hello. You just not smile. How? That's incredible. I've done. Everyone gets those. like I see. I, I'm I'm just now starting. Yeah, that never existed before. Wow. Well, I know. 
And I'm R.I.P. an old because we hang out together. She's finally smiling. <laughs> no, I love to laugh. I honestly, I laugh and I smile all the time. Oh, I'm kind amazing. of surprised I don't have those, you know, like the parentheses. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised hey. I don't have that. The marionette lines there. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That's what. Yeah. That yeah. Like about? this. Yeah, vertical so. lines. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the vertical lines or whatever. Yeah. Well, the, so, okay. The questions here. So Jen mentioned like. Yeah. What what should I do? It what's matter. worthwhile what's and worthwhile. what do you like? Yeah. What what has great results that as a doctor you think is not just ridiculous? Well, that's the thing. Okay, so three so many things in, to unpack there, but we'll keep it simple. So what's what's worth it to you? Like how much is it worth it to you? And that's the most important question because you both have different takes. I have a different take. And so it's so personalized. Um, yes, Botox, you get what you pay for. I think very consistently if you understand what you're trying to treat. So for the crow's feet, for example, if you're starting to get those, you start using Botox, boom, gone. And yeah. you may not Is get it preventative, them. by the way? Because that's what they oh. try to sell you. Uh, yeah, they always I, say that. They say if you get it, it's going to prevent you from getting these even worse in the future. Yeah, it's such a controversial topic, but I believe that is 100% true. It just physiologically, okay. even if I had only a degree in like biology, let's say I stopped there. I, th- I do believe that even with that, you could say for sure it's going to prevent it. And we, I think we did a podcast episode on this because it is controversial. Even within my community, I know some prominent dermatologists will say, absolutely not. But I, but it is like these lines are from moving your face. If you don't yeah. move your face, the lines don't form. It's just like logic, A, B, yeah. C. And, but it, but again, it's just depends on the person. Like I'm not trying to sell this to a 13 year old, right? I'm not telling them to sell a 17 year old, you need to go get filler and Botox. But do you have it? Okay. But that's a really good point though. Do you have an age for women? Because men are different, but for women, do you think there is an age where you should start? Because men roll in at seventy-five. I know, and <laughs> the they're like, the fine wine they're at twenty-four. Thing. Yeah, because I used to, I, I used to work for, I don't want to say the magazine, but but a beauty-focused magazine, and all the dermatologists who were part of the regular contributors, mm-hmm. they all said that you should start Botox by like twenty-five. And I think it's reasonable. It just depends on which I did, your and that face. might be why just now in my forties I'm starting to see the crow's feet develop now. It, I mean, that's real. I I think it's real, real. And the reason at 25 is an arbitrary number, but a real number, is because um, you know we do up to a point our cells regenerate, uh, and then they stop, and then we enter this like wearing out stage in life. And in the mid twenties, are we in that gym? I think we're in that now. (laughs) I'm definitely there for sure. (laughs) Uh, But once you get to that point, which you know the aging process really does start in the mid twenties and thirties, as I'm experiencing, but already knew this is like the aging decade. I've seen that deemed this this year in 2023. They just I think it got coined like your thirties are your aging decade and this that's is where that's stuff really pops true. up and it's you realize and, and i remember when i was 22 23 my first job in manhattan um out of college and i went into Saks fifth avenue and was was with a girlfriend and this guy was working at maybe even the lamare counter jen because we were just talking <laughs> about lamare and he kind of <laughs> saw two victims and he pulled us over and you know gave us all kinds of samples and stuff and he said you guys are both 23. He said, if you start now and really take care of your skin, sunscreen, invest in good products. He said, by the time you're 33, you will look around and you will see that your friends in your age group, you can tell by then who has not kept up. And it was so true. By 35, I looked at some of my friends and I was like, what happened? Like, <laughs> like 
I mean, I know I don't look like I'm 20 anymore, but like, what happened to you? What were you not doing all this time? Because you really see the divide in the 30s. That's, mm. I've never heard it called the aging decade, but that's very accurate. You mentioned another thing too, and Jenna mentioned smoking and I skipped over that just on accident. But yeah, maybe, I mean, smoking is by far the worst thing you can do for your skin. I mean, it's just hands down. It it ages you 30 years on a cellular level and skin is no exception. So, Um, but yeah, so Botox there, filler again, gives consistent results. But I'm like you, Jen, I think I I prefer the more natural look and uh, where you are just trying to get like maybe get a semblance of the youth. I always tell patients this. They they always start with, oh, I want this spot. I know it's vain, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, no, it's not. It's vain. We're all vain. I think mm-hmm. there's something youthful and eternal in all of us. And when we look in the mirror, we just want it to kind of be reflected back at us in some sense. Because I just don't think we age. Um, our soul doesn't seem to age like our body no. does. Don't yeah. we feel like we were all in high school four minutes ago? I mean, I still have nightmares <laughs> about high school. I forgot a yeah. class or something. You know, I mean, I have all those crazy dreams. So I don't think it's that. You that still have far. stress dreams about school? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I feel like I, you know, I've gone to school and I've forgotten a final or I, for, you know, obviously we can do a psychological evaluation after the germ. But, um, <laughs> well, Dr. Maxfield does like Hello. to dip into other areas oh, of yeah. medicine. Hello, so, Foster syndrome. Anybody around here? But do you, okay, so just to make make this a little personal and you don't have to answer, but do you do fillers or Botox? Do I get it or do it? Perform get it. it. No. Oh, uh, wait. Yes. So yes and no. I don't get filler. Um, I think when people like men typically will get it in their jawline to like masculinize their jaw. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people get people get it in their nose to like straighten out the bridge of their nose. Isn't that um, amazing how filler can give you like a nose job effect? It's crazy. Yeah. It's done wild. Well. It's dangerous. But, oh, it is? Uh, it is good. Yeah. There You have this complex here of um, oh. vessels. And it can feed into, I think, the ophthalmic artery or one of your arteries in the eye. Wow, and that's so, one thing they never tell you. I've never heard that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so wow. labellar filler in particular is particularly dangerous. Um, but, yeah, you can get it in the arteries here. And I've seen noses necrose from this. Um, it's Necrose as in die. Sorry, yep. Die, black, dead skin. This cartilage and bone is fine, oh, of course. Muscles typically. That is gnarly. That, that I was literally to just going to use that same word. That is gnarly. Didn't Michael Jackson's no- nose fall off? Uh, no, Do you remember I don't that? So. His nose, he like had the weird, like he had no I think nose. he had too many nose jobs. I think yeah. he actually uh, think he had, had it had shaved a, down. Structurally, it was unstable, yeah. but I think it was still what was left of his nose at the end of it all. Man. Oof, but yeah, different thing. So going back to the topic of men getting Botox, not just doctors and derms who have to like look great on camera, but it is, it definitely feels like there's a cultural shift where mm-hmm. it, it definitely feels a lot more acceptable for men to talk about getting Botox. I mean, a, a lot of my guy friends get Botox now. Now, truth be told, they're all gay, but... <laughs> And they love to talk about getting Botox. I don't know, you know, if like a straight dude would maybe advertise it as much as like my gay friends do, but it definitely seems to be more normal, like normalized. Yeah, it definitely has become more normalized over the last, what, just three years now. And um, I like to think that Dr. Sean and myself have actually had a hand in that because, yeah, we're just kind of normal people. I mean, we're just like very straightforward people and just kind of like your average Joe when it comes to skincare. Even now, we're both very minimalistic. And to the second part of what you asked, yeah, I have had Botox. I think it's been less than five times, but I do appreciate the results. And part of it's our resident training, so I let people train on me. Uh, oh, it's fun. <laughs> so that's like most of my Botox that I've gotten has been just help, like letting people train on me. But uh, at the same time, I do appreciate it. I do think it's good. And but I do think it's also 
normalized. I don't think you're right. I think don't, I don't think most guys still talk about having gotten it done. Uh, yeah. I'll pretty much tell you anything, but that's everything. Uh, mm-hmm. but I do have a, a lot of guys who do request Botox and sometimes it's not the person you'd think. It's just someone who's like kind of your straightforward person. They don't seem to take a lot of care, uh, in their cosmetics overall, but they hate wrinkles or they hate something about it. Um, and they, they do ask, they're certainly more uncomfortable asking, but they will ask. And I'm like, yeah, just do it. It's yeah. Fine. <laughs> like, yeah. Did you notice, um, a lot of dermatologists and plastic surgeons noticed that COVID really put like business was booming for, especially for plastic surgery, because everyone did this. We're all looking at each other on a camera and you're just staring at yourself and you're obsessing over everything that you don't like that you never even thought you didn't like before. All new things popped up during COVID. Mm -hmm. Did you also see that like that spike in people going, I hate this. I hate this. I want to fix this. I want to fix that. Not in person as much because uh, part of it had to do with our demographic and the focus within our clinic. It's not like an aesthetic first clinic or at least during training. It wasn't that way when I was doing residency, which is when COVID started. Mm -hmm. And I did see it though on social. And so I think but partly too, like dermatology offices, a lot of them were closed. <laughs> you know, people yeah. weren't coming yeah. to the office for a lot yeah. of things. Yeah. So everyone, I think, was looking for more of a home hack about how to take care of their skin, mm-hmm. which is just one of a few reasons why I think the over-the-counter skincare space just blew up. Um, and it's had a lot of more staying power than I thought it would actually. Um, I kind of expected it to have plateaued and to decrease much more than it has. It, it did plateau, which I think is fine and reasonable, um, but it's still going strong. Uh, but I, and I don't think we're ever going back. I think people are just very aware and knowledgeable about skincare, their skin, and um, more, maybe even empowered to take care of it at home now. Yeah, that's okay. true. So I'm going to ask a, a personal question, but I think it's one that people can identify with. Would you look at this gaping wound? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, so we talked earlier about sunscreen being kind of the cornerstone of skincare. And I use sunscreen uh, it, part of my moisturizer typically. Sometimes I'll do a moisturizer and a sunscreen, but most of the time I use a moisturizer with SPF. And I wear it every day. But inevitably, and I think it is because I drive, my left side Mm. has these dark spots that I know are from sun damage. I can imagine they're from sun damage. It's only on the left side of my face. And so I was thinking, do people get driver's face? Is that really a thing where you, because you're getting more sun coming through the driver's side window that you're getting these dark spots and can they ever be fixed? Because they're not, it's not symmetrical. That's for sure. Driver, I didn't see. I'm not. I'm so bad about staying up with the social media terms. I didn't know driver's face. Was I just a made term. that. I just, just made, made that, that up. Actually, we need yeah. to coin it, patent it. Well, this it's is, driver's face, but it is true. And I've often heard, and I've had dermatologists tell me that skin cancer pops up a lot more if you are a commuter on the left side of your body, your arm. Really? Anything see, that's a, I'm on yeah, that it's that you're more exposed you know, just being, and Jen being an LA girl, she's in the car for a long time. Uh, not a moving, lot. but you're in the car a lot. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I'm just baking out there. <laughs> yeah, it's a hundred percent true though. And yeah, there's no doubt about the validity of that. You're, what it used to be too, it's funny. You'll see a lot of the um, older generation, the guys will be mm-hmm. aged on the left side My and dad. the wife will be aged on oh, the right side yeah. because yeah. it's just how they did. The guys drove, women stayed in the road shotgun mm-hmm. and um, so yeah, I definitely I true. The old days. <laughs> <laughs> you now, Jen, you need to get someone to drive you, you know so you what? can even it out. <laughs> Forget this, like me too, feminist stuff. Bring me back to some chivalry. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, for you, you really just need to even out where the spots are go. showing up. <laughs> yeah, my wife makes me drive everywhere. I-, I used to like it, and now I'm kind of annoyed. I'm like, I just want to sit there too. <laughs> <laughs> Rest. That's it. 
<laughs> so what can you do when you have those spots? Is there any way to correct them? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So it so sun protection is paramount. It actually there has been there have been studies showing that sunscreen can actually help your body reverse some of those signs of sun damage. Now it won't erase them on its own, but you can actually reactively use sunscreen and it will help some of those. What is Not- the brand that you and Dr. Shaw have talked about? I wrote it down once and I for, and I lost it because we just moved and everything got lost in the move. And and both of you mentioned, I believe there was like a Nobel Prize for oh, some of the chemistry yeah. of reversing the DNA sun damage. Yeah, it was um, ISDIN. So ISDIN has photolyase in their sunscreens, which is a plankton-derived plankton, plankton enzyme that can help your help reverse some of the signs of sun damage. Um, That's what I need to buy. It's expensive. Jen, we have to get on that. I genuinely yeah, love I'm this. It's that. expensive. Oh, great. <laughs> no, I hate, I hate the expensive that with the stuff. Lemaire, and you'll <laughs> which be all set. I want the yeah, it's actually a good volume, though. It's for the volume. Dr. Shaw pointed this out to me. He's like, you know what? It's really not that expensive. It's like $70 for the sunscreen, which is expensive, but it's about twice the volume. In fact, it might even be more than twice the volume of like your standard Elta MD sunscreen. So right. it's pretty much on par with your moderate middle upper kind of tier sunscreen for the face we like and to you, say if you spend a lot it lasts a long time it lasts yeah. a long time that's but how you we do, justify you, it but you do find that that is more effective than like copper tone or sun bum or whatever else how much we don't know i would say it's it probably does help a little more um but again it's the i mean it's not going to be like a night and day difference even mm-hmm. if you're down the road if you're using isden versus sun bum it, it's mm-hmm. more like uh, it, over the course of your lifetime, it's probably going to help if you use it consistently. That's going to help more than no matter more than no matter what you use. Right. Um, that's the biggest way to win there. And then I would also assume if you have like actual sun damage where it's visible, visibly different on one side of your face, is that something where a laser can help? Yep. And lasers are very nuanced too. So I just draw um, the other side on with a pencil. <laughs> you just <laughs> it that's that's a budget little, way to little do freckles, it. You just keep adding. I'm like, you know what? It'll just a spot here and there. It'll be fine. <laughs> I love it. That's perfect. But yeah, lasers can help too. Depends on the person. Depends on the skin tone. I um, am limited in my ability to do lasers because I have a darker skin tone. But mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. IPL can help. Lasers can help. Topically, you have your like laundry list of ingredients like uh, glycolic acid can help. Retinoids can help. Vitamin C is a supporting ingredient in that role. Uh, and then you have like kojic acid, tranexamic acid, glutathione, all these things. Um, they can all be helpful. Hydroquinone is your gold standard prescription ingredient for those dark spots. That's the one that's like really controversial though, right? Hydroquinone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like the controversy that goes up or and down. Right? Everything was banned. Yeah. I don't believe in the ban anymore. You just, but yes, yeah, because like kojic acid, I think was banned and hydroquinone was banned. And you know, it's also banned. No one wants to talk about it. No one cares anytime I bring it up. But zinc pyrithione in your head and shoulders also banned in the EU. Really? No one cares. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. It was banned years ago. The buzz. Oh, what was the other ingredient? People were losing their minds about um, some other ingredients banned in the EU. They're like, oh, it's not safe. Parabens? It, no, that no, wasn't paraben. I don't know. But people were like, oh, it's an endocrine disruptor. It's all this and all this. Meanwhile, Everyone's still using their dandruff shampoo. It was in the same, <laughs> the same exact act in the same Great exact point. paragraph of wow. what was banned, and the same reason it was banned. And everyone's just like, they still don't care, and it blows. I've worked People with brands are really good at selective outrage about stuff. <laughs> yes, for sure, it's a good That's word. Sort of I literally just mantra. watched the Chris Rock special called "Selective Great. Outrage," and it's brilliant. So oh, I need yeah. to look at that. Oh, it's brilliant. It's the first thing bit- that he did after he got slapped. Oh, his bit about the the yoga pants, the Lululemon yoga yeah. pants, about how 
They support Black Lives Matter. He's like, I just want yoga pants. Yeah. He's like, just give me $20 off the yoga pants and forget the donation. (laughs) So, okay. So what about, we were talking about lasers. And so that made me think of those crazy masks that I've seen people wear with like the red light. They look like like the guy from Silence of the Lambs. I have one. Yeah, I have them all. I have one. I And I admit I'm just too lazy to use it. It does. Isn't it silly? It's like five minutes or two minutes, depending on the device, and somehow it feels cumbersome. I think I think mine might be fifteen. It's probably cheaper. Ooh, you need a new device. That's ridiculous. No, it one was do- free though. It was it was sent <laughs> oh, to me. Okay. It was free. Yeah, that's fair. No, but the- so I need to. So you need to invest then, is what you're saying? Because like the mm-hmm. Doctor Dennis Gross, I think, right? Isn't yeah. that the one that's like that's the a good gold one. standard? And it's three minutes a day. I can do three yeah. minutes, but I can't do 15 to 20. I can't even do three. I need to, though. <laughs> They're good. They uh, So that was one of our first deep dive topics. And when Dr. Shaw and I looked at the literature, um, I, I actually had, yeah, we all have a bias going into things. And I was like, this is going to be crap. This is so hokey. They look ridiculous. They're only here because they're so, they have like the shock factor. Mm-hmm. And then I was going through the literature paper after paper of paper. I was like, oh, all right. Then my opinion, 100% <laughs> did a 180 degree turn. And um, I couldn't deny that there's certainly enough evidence to validate their use. And uh, they are expensive, but unlike skincare, it's a one time purchase. And so since then, I've been a big proponent for the LED masks. And Is there a brand that you like the most? Because I'm going to have to get one. <laughs> I do. I like the Cure one, Q-U-R-E. It's just okay. a little bit more personalized and I like the fit. The Dr. Dennis Gross one is also great. Omnilux is good. There are so many good ones uh, out there. Just the effectiveness, they're all probably relatively similar. And so it just depends. I also want. read that it goes by how many LED lights are in each individual mask. Is that sort of the gauge? Uh, no, I think there's more There's more to it than that. Because not only is it like how many lights, it's like what wavelengths are there. Because you okay. have red, near-infrared, yeah. you have blue, you have like combinations of them. And then also the power, right? So like, let's say you have like a million lights, but they all have like barely any energy going to them. Because yeah. there are... There's also um, low-level laser therapy, which I think we're going to see uh, erupt here a, bit, a little bit soon. Is because we have, there are home laser devices now. Lima yeah. has an at-home true laser. And Lima's like twelve hundred bucks or twenty six hundred or something. It's like really expensive. It is. It's the only one of its kind, though. And That's I think they why. actually got FDA approval for it, not just FDA clearance. I, I have to check myself on that, but. There are a few celebrities that I've seen on Instagram and they have them and Mm -hmm. they all admit that they never use it. So I'm like, okay, I am going to be that person. Like I am not going to blow $2,600 on a little thing you, you know, move around your face. I think to me, a mask that just covers your face sort of unilaterally, I think that would be a better thing for me because if you're, especially if you put it with like meditation, you know, as much as I'm thinking about it and thinking, God, do I have three minutes to sit down? I'm always constantly thinking I should calm my mind. That would probably be a great Mm -hmm. time to just. Put the thing on, put on your Calm app or whatever, and just take a few deep breaths while, while it's working. I mean, yeah, for that. sure. Because it's better if you close your eyes anyway. Um, so I know we've been spending a lot of time on faces, but there's mm-hmm. other skin that we could talk No, there's about. not. That's all there is. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, nothing crazy. But Victoria and I for a long time have had a conversation about whether or not we are killing ourselves when we go get our gel manicures. Oh, and this when I was, thing, yeah. When I was driving in today, and we decided that we're going to still get our gel manicures. We decided that the UV light is not going to, you know, we're just going to stand up to it. But are we killing ourselves with with gel manicures? So this is interesting because, so the, the premise is, is that gel manicures use UV light um, to, to cure. cure them or harden oh, them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this not new concept. It did go viral this, I think it was early this year. And what was surprising to me though, is that most derms were like, eh, 
That's fine. And I am, I'm of the same vein. I thought someone, because we're a little over the top sometimes as a group of professionals in terms of like prioritizing uh, skin protection. I know it's our job, but like sometimes it seems like it's at all costs, but most people were okay with it. And I, I also fall into that bandwagon. It's just such a little amount of exposure um, relative to everything else you're getting in life. And uh, I do know like a tanning bed. I read that oh, don't a tan. tan well, yeah, but I've read that a tanning <laughs> bed. So, like, if you're if you're if you're concerned about the the UV yeah. lights for you know your nails, you're in there for sixty seconds. And I also read that the difference in like the power and mm-hmm. of how much UV exposure it's nine thousand times worse if you're in a tanning bed. So if you think that it's one nine thousandth the the damage that you would get from a twenty minute session or something or a fifteen minute session in a tanning bed you know, 60 seconds. And the other thing that Jen and I also found, I, I actually asked the woman who runs my nail salon. She said, yeah, we got rid of all the UV lamps. We have LED lamps. Right. Yeah. And is it, are you getting radiation from LED or no? Mm-hmm. No, it's completely different. It's just a completely different way. So it's safer. It, yeah, even, extremely. Yeah. Okay. So that's, so that's the answer then really. It's not, oh, right. Because it's the LED mask. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that makes sense. Um, I want to ask you one more thing before we let you go. Um, Actually, two quick things. Number okay. one, you blew up Instagram recently because you posted something that people like, I mean, their minds, mine included, just exploded. You basically said that olive oil is like horrible for your skin. Yeah, wow. it is. <laughs> so is it really? please tell us why, because for for my entire adult life, every skincare line that I've purchased, and especially like the higher end ones, they all tout some level of olive oil, olive oil extract, and all this stuff that's supposed to be so wonderful for your skin. Jennifer Lopez, I use her cleanser, the JLo Beauty. (laughs) I use JLo Beauty. Honestly, I love that cleanser. I don't like the rest of the products, but I love the cleanser, and it's all based on olive oil. So give us the scoop. What is the story with that? So olive oils, mo. so every, okay. So I was obsessed with skin oils. I'll just start there briefly. I was obsessed with skin oils early on into the social media venture. And so I deep dived them to death and I'll do it maybe once a year. I'll just revisit it. And olive oil is high in oleic acid uh, as opposed to linoleic acid. The latter being a primary component of what makes a good skin oil. Like safflower oil has a high amount of that, for example. Now, Olive oil not only has a high amount of oleic acid, which helps break down the skin barrier, but it also is kind of pro-inflammatory. And so even if you're going to start the discussion with olive oil is pro-inflammatory and breaks down the skin barrier, which both are both not only in vitro studied, but clinically studied and shown to be true, um, they, through inflammation, might actually help with wound healing a little bit because we need some inflammation to heal wounds. But when you're talking about a solo ingredient to put on your skin, like I don't want a skincare ingredient that's going to break around my skin barrier. And mm-hmm. so coconut oil, same effect or no coconut effect? oil is great. Coconut oil is extremely okay. well studied too. It's one of my favorites. It's, it's just, it, it's studied in eczema. It, uh, it's almost mm-hmm. like a solid at room temperature as well, but it's one of the yeah. best studied plant oils, uh, for your skin barrier as well. That one's high in like lauric acid. Uh, as in comparatively, but mm-hmm. so I think I need a new cleanser because now I'm getting concerned <laughs> <laughs> that maybe I'm doing harm to my skin barrier because that's another we were talking earlier about like you know buzzy terms and ingredients and things like that and I feel like 2023 is the year of the skin barrier I had it never is. even heard yep. of that yeah. before and that's all anyone talks about now can you just tell us really quick what is the skin barrier and what do we do to protect it yeah so our skin is obviously physically a barrier. And beyond that, though, it 
on a cellular cellular level also is a barrier. We make things like natural moisturizing factors. We have something called ceramides, which by name most people recognize now, mm-hmm. but that's something in between our skin cells, like the mortar between bricks, that helps it actually be a functional barrier. And things like ceramides and natural moisturizing factors and flagrin, those are decreased in people who have eczema and atopic dermatitis. And so if you want to see what it looks like to have a bad skin barrier, um, you know, you just have to look at the condition of eczema or atopic dermatitis. And that's really what happens when the skin barrier is broken down. You always have like this baseline level of inflammation, super sensitive skin, always worried about allergens, infections, all of that triggering all of the inflammation in your immune system and your skin. Um, but things that can help it like the probiotic thing i deep dive that no one watched that but that's was probably my fault it, like no one else no one else cares about certain things no one cares about tea tree oil probiotics whatever but the that actually has a lot of value for a broken skin barrier replacing things like ceramides which classically has been the staple of CeraVe, um, can help with your skin barrier because rebuilding and replacing things that are a part of your damaged skin natural moisturizing factor especially as you get older again you need to create structural strength and then things in between the skin cells actually make this like watertight semi-permeable barrier so you can keep the bad things out and the good things like hydration and water in. Okay, that's perfect. So, and you know what? I've also just noticed, like a lot of dermatologists, you have name-checked CeraVe several times. A couple of times, yeah. So I'm thinking, right? Like, is that really maybe we all head to our local pharmacy and just stock up on CeraVe? Yeah, Cer- <laughs> that's like the best. It's always, I feel like it's always been the dermatologist's best friend. I had this, I actually was kind of annoyed with CeraVe at first because I entered right after they blew up and it was like all anyone was talking about. And I'm just one of those people if like with Napoleon Dynamite. If you tell me about it too much, I'm just going to be tired of it before I even like see it. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> uh, it's, it, I, but CeraVe is, yes, an amazing skincare brand because it's budget friendly. It's generally recommendable because most of their products are effective at what they say they're going to do. They're stripped down, minimalistic, and um, texturally and aesthetically, they are good. So, yes, you probably for the most for the most part, you probably can't go wrong if you use a CeraVe product, especially when it comes to sensitive skin, which is why they're a dermatologist first choice often enough. And Jen and I both have sensitive skin. Yeah. Um, that's something. Yeah. So maybe that'll I be my new face though. wash. Yeah, the, oh, <laughs> I kinda, the cream I know, to foam, I, cream yeah. to foam cleanser. Try that. It's luxurious for a budget option. Cream really? To foam cleanser. Yeah. I've always heard foam cleansers are a little drying. Yep, this they are. But no, what if it's a cream to foam cleanser? Is it drying or is it creamy? I don't oh, know. That's a good question. Maybe both. All right. So, Jen, that's next week. <laughs> like we'll have to test that out. Philosophical discussion. <laughs> yeah, philosophical. That's it. Next week on Beauty Pop, the chicken or the egg? What <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Dr. Luke Maxfield, thank you so, so much. Thank this you. has been, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. And yeah, this too. was every bit as fun as I knew it would be. And um, everyone, you've got to follow what Dr. Maxfield and Dr. Shaw do. Dr. Lee Unhinged, fabulous, fabulous podcast. And uh, follow Dr. Dr. Luke Maxfield at on Instagram. You're at Dr. Dr. Period LJ Maxfield. Right? Yeah, it's Dr. LJ Maxfield. I, again, I'm not I'm not natural to the social media space, so I picked the the dumbest, most difficult name <laughs> to type into your computer. Like a punctuation, it doesn't have my actual name, it's, so it is there. But yes, but Just definitely find you, find him, find him, and it is worth it. There is so much great information on your Instagram page, and thank you for sharing all of the the stuff that you and Dr. Thank Shaw so share much. because it's really you know you know for so many people who just don't have access to you guys like you know the way that we do today yeah. it's um it's really wonderful that you're sharing so much information and knowledge so thank you 
for all that you do and keep it up because we want to keep being entertained and informed at the same time. Uh, well, no, thank you all so much. I'm honored and I was really looking forward to coming on. So thank you. Thank you. Good Aww. to meet you both. Thank, thank you so you much. Thank all right, you. guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of Beauty Pop. We will talk to you again next week.